Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I know again, I love to say it, but I know when I arrive here on a Sunday night and see all of you here, you want to be at church and you want to grow in Jesus. So I'm so grateful for that. You come out tonight with open hearts and open spirits. And I just pray that as I share some simple biblical truths tonight from 2 Timothy chapter 2, that these words would be an encouragement to you. I'm going to continue this little thought we shared this morning of asking for a friend and the idea tonight is more of this idea um how do i make sure that my children for the generations to come continue to carry forth these words of the lord the things that i want to invest in them want to teach in them i'm asking that question today Uh, my grandson was with us at lunch and i go okay he's four How is it that he's going to be able to grow up in this culture, in this society, and be strong and biblical in God's Word? And what I want to do today is, tonight in particular, is I want to talk about how Timothy was mentored by a man named Paul. And though they would have been about 60 and 30, I'll dive into that a little bit, I want to show you that there are some principles and some things that Paul was trying to say to Timothy, hey, I'm not going to be here a lot longer and I just want to make sure you carry these things forth. And so tonight we're going to take a look at what that looks like in our individual lives. Uh, Paul had reached the age of probably 59 theologians and those who study biblical history tell us he probably um, was beheaded when he was around 60, 61 years of age. And Timothy, as a young mentor of his, Timothy was in his early 30s. And Timothy had started a church and Paul was giving him guidance. Now, remember, Paul didn't have access to a phone. He couldn't just text Timothy and say, hey, here's stuff you need to know. So he would have written these things in letters. Fortunately for us, because if they'd have been on a phone, they'd probably been lost. But because of the time that they lived in, these were written down and they were principles that Paul was teaching to Timothy to carry forth. Let's remember, Paul was not a perfect man. Do you recall what happened early in his life? He was a man who sought to persecute Christians, kill Christians, had stood there when Stephen was stoned. And so this is a man who had not walked with the Lord as he should have. So if you're sitting here tonight and say, Dan, I'm not worthy to lead my children. None of us are unless the Lord redeems our lives. So all of us sitting here tonight have hope because of God the Father. And then Paul, changing his life, got really serious about it. You can imagine if any of you here um, were maybe walking very wayward at some point in your life, when you come back to the Lord, there's just this powerful desire in you to, to want to continue to grow deeper and almost offset what was part of your past. And so I believe an element of that was what was happening in the life of Paul. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down tonight the um, Second Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read some passages from it, some words from it, and show you what Paul was saying to Timothy in this scenario. So I want to start and do it a little different. I'm going to read the, the ending of chapter 2 before I read the beginning of chapter 2. Because there's this consistent theme. And for those of us who are in church and have been a part of church, 
I want you to listen to see if you can hear a consistent theme in what Paul is saying here, because I believe what I'm about to share with you is so important for those of us who are church-going people and raise our children in the church. Uh, I grew up in a church where what I'm about to read to you happened all the time. Gossip. If you want to get your kids to not want to seek after the Lord, then when you're at your house, gossip a lot. It'll make them really be turned off to church. And Paul was speaking to Timothy and saying to him, Timothy, there's some things, young man, 60-year-old talking to a 30-year-old. He's saying, I want you to know, Timothy, there are some things I've seen and some things you need to be aware of that you need to keep your guard up about because if you're, if you're not careful, this will destroy the church that you're leading. And here were the things. I'm just going to read three of them. See if you hear a consistent theme. Here's what Paul said. The first thing he said was, keep reminding God's people of this. So that's you. Keep reminding God's people of this. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. How often have you seen a church be destroyed because people start arguing about words? It says it only destroys those who listen. Growing up as a kid, I hate to even admit this, but in my church, it was a small church. And I remember when a new pastor would come in In my denomination, I was a part of you voted for your pastor every year and he had to get 51 percent of the vote to stay. It was a tough job because if people didn't start liking you, they'd vote you out. And a new pastor would come in. And if the people didn't like him, I can remember sitting in groups where church people are sitting around and they would come up with ways to get a 51% vote to get rid of the guy. And I remember just as a kid, even as a small boy going, something about this doesn't sound right. And I think Paul is saying to us, Christian fathers, mothers, grandparents, be careful what your mouth says. Little ears are listening. Nine-year-olds pick up on more than you think. Four-year-olds do too. And I just believe it's very important for those of us who are raising children in this culture to make sure they're raised in a home where there is not gossip. And you say, well, what I do is not gossip. Uh, just that right there is a little bit of a red flag for me because you're defensive. Ask yourself, is this something if Jesus was in the house, I would say. Just let that be a little check for you. Be very guarded, very careful. And then he goes on, the next verse, verse 16, he says this, Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Do you see a theme? And then you go down to verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because they only produce quarrels. And I'm just telling you, I've reached a place in my life and I, I credit it to maturity in the Lord. I just don't argue about this stuff anymore. It's not worth it. 
When I go, as you know, I travel and speak a lot of different churches. If I go to a church and quite often I get called to a church where there's, there's been some moral failure with the pastor. or There's been an issue that's occurred in the church. And they'll, they'll say to me when I arrive to the church, hey, would you like to know the details about what happened? When I was 30, yeah, yeah, details. Tell me what happened. At 62, I literally look at him and go, I have no interest. Well, no, we want to tell you what happened. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know it. I want to stand up and preach with a clear spirit. I'm not trying to tell anybody anything. I'm preaching out of God's word. It's just changed in me. And I want you to understand your home and how your home talks about the Lord and the Lord's people and even people who aren't the Lord's people yet is very important. Because your spirit and what they see in you will either be contagious or I want to get away from it. And I have reconciled this with my father and with the Lord. But my dad made faith not contagious and part of it because the way he gossiped. The things he said about my mom that weren't true. The things he said about the preachers that weren't true. It's all good now. But it definitely hindered my maturity in the Lord for years. And Paul is saying to a young Timothy, and today I believe he would say unto your spirit, be careful in your homes. Be careful how you speak and how you talk. It matters. Let your words bring honor and glory to the Lord. It's important. So now I want to flip back after saying that to you. I want to go back to how Paul opened this passage. In this passage in the beginning, he is simply talking to Timothy and saying, Timothy, I want you to be strong in the faith. I want you to have courage. And this is coming from a man who probably knew his life was going to end in a really horrible way. Uh, the early Christian leaders, uh, most of them were persecuted and many of them were put to death. And so Paul probably was going, yeah, this is, this is how it's going to end for me. So I got to make sure this young Timothy knows, hey, dude, you got to stand strong because you're going to have some real hard stuff come at you. And starting 2023, the Lord has been laying on my heart, get solid and get strong for the days ahead. And I'm speaking to Sunday night crowd so I can say to you, the reason my messages are more pointed, they're more directed, they're more uh, straight from Scripture is because the days ahead, we won't need opinion. We're going to need solid truth. Solid truth is what will hold your feet steady. And I want to show you some things that Paul said to Timothy that were just solid truth. This is him knowing I don't know, maybe a year left before I won't be with you anymore, Timothy. And I got to give you these thoughts. And here's what's interesting. Paul, like any good teacher or preacher, thought to himself, I got to give him three points. I got to give him three points. So he did it. He said, Paul, I want to tell you, um, as a soldier of the Lord, you're going to go through some suffering and some challenges. And I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a story about and he brought up three types of people. He said, I'm going to give you a story about a soldier. I'm going to give you a story about an athlete. And I'm going to give you the story about a farmer. That's how he did it. Wrote it right in the letter. I'm going to talk about a soldier. I'm going to talk about an athlete. And I'm going to talk about a farmer. And then I want you to notice at the end of that, go down to verse number seven. He says to Timothy, Timothy, what's this? He gives him the three analogies that I'm going to go over with you. 
He gives them the three analogies. And then he says to them, Timothy, go and sit and reflect on that. And God will speak into your spirit what it means. So he kind of said to Timothy, go chill. Don't rush through this. Because so often when we're reading God's word, we just rush right on through it. He said to Timothy, sit on it. Like just contemplate what it could mean. And then he shares what the three things were. First, he says about a soldier, and it's coming up here. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather they try to please their commanding officer. Now, I want to use a little bit of the analogy here and sit down and go, okay, let me just think back to all my buddies. I was not in the military. But I have friends who were, and many of you have been. Thank you for your service. But you don't go into boot camp, and you don't arrive at boot camp with the attitude of like, hey, 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 I'm here, and I'll tell y'all what I'm going to be doing. No, you don't. You show up at boot camp, and they tell you, you're going to cut your hair. And you go, yeah, yeah, I'll cut a little part of it. No, you're cutting your hair. Your commanding officer decides what you do. You don't. You don't get with your buddies and go, hey, you know what our group's going to do? No, no, we're unit B. We're going to do it this way. No. You're going to please your commanding officer. So I'll date myself a little bit, but I used to watch this show. Had Gomer Pyle in it. Y'all remember Gomer Pyle? And since I'm from the South, I can talk like him. And Gomer Pyle, when he was in, remember when he would show, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you say right there, sir, that's it. Your commanding officer, are you ready, is God Almighty. Someday when this life is over and your life is, is judged, as the Bible says, um, you, you won't stand here and, and answer to me. You won't answer to your spouse. You won't answer to your kids. You will answer to your commanding officer, God Almighty. And Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, listen. You're going to pick up. It won't take long for you to pick up on this. In the church, there are systems, Timothy, and they'll wear you out. In the church, there's kind of a hierarchy, Timothy, and you got to be careful because it can start to control you. Paul was saying to Timothy, son, listen to me. Call him son, because when you're 60, you can say that to a 30-year-old. Son, listen to me. Go please God. Don't worry about all the people. Go please God. And I want to say to you today, teach your children, grow up and please God. I'm your daddy, but I ain't your God. Even sometimes I might give you information and you look, and you go, dad, that was wrong information. Correct. Because I mess up and I fail. But your father in heaven will never fail you. Teach them that. When you're gone, they will remember that. My daughter, who's walked through some great trials uh, that I shared in first service about this morning. I shared about both of them, but I'm speaking specifically in first service. My daughter, who was watching online. We have been texting this afternoon. Sweet text. Text that honor God. Text that I thought I'd never see. And you know why? Because she's trying to please her commanding officer, God Almighty. 
She used to try to do it for her daddy. Kids want their parents' approval. They'll work hard to get it. Ultimately, you want your kids to know, listen, listen don't, don't worry about me. Please, if you please him, I'm pretty sure I'm covered. <laughs> Let your children's lives answer to the ultimate commander, God Almighty. And Paul said to Timothy, think about that. And I say to you tonight, go home into your house and sit by yourself and reflect and go, God, what could that be saying to me? Some of you in here, you're, uh, you don't see it about yourself, but you're what we call control freaks. You just need to control in your home. You want control? You'll do anything for control. You don't realize it, but you do it. It's kind of like you think you're the commanding officer. The ultimate control of your home belongs to the Lord. I couldn't have preached this at 30. I didn't see it about myself. I thought I had it all figured out. I was pretty sure it was going to work out the way I thought. It didn't. And I'm okay. Because <laughs> God had a plan he was working on. this way sweeter than the one I was trying to pull off. Because he's my commanding officer. I will answer to him at the end of my life. It's so much more peaceful. I said it this morning, but sometimes a situation will occur in my family, and it's a hard situation. I can't explain what I'm about to say to you, and I'm just peaceful. My kids will say, Dad, you're not getting worked up, and I'll look at them and go, why would I? God's proven that in these circumstances, he reigns supreme and he's going to pull this off and do things here I can't even see. Why would I worry about it? I've learned that. My children see a difference in me. They're like, Dad, you don't get worked up like you used to. Well, I wore myself out for nothing. Because <laughs> I'd work myself up and get all worried and everything else. Didn't change a thing, just made it worse. Oh, that's because I put myself in commanding officer role. And when I take my proper place, which is servant to God, then this role fits better. Dan, you're saying you don't give guidance? Absolutely, I give guidance. Same as Paul's giving Timothy. Hey, kids, here's the best guidance I can give you. Now you've got to make the right choice. My children know now, if you want dad's thoughts, ask him. I say, I've said to my children, I used to trace, try to chase you down and tell you what was right. Now, if you'd like my opinion, please call me. Every one of them. Every one of them call me now. Every one of them text me now. It's so much different when they ask. <laughs> when they ask, it means they want to know my thoughts. And I can share with them. I'll say, well, as your dad, this would be a typical text. I'm going to give you my best thoughts and ideas, but please always seek the Lord first because he'll give you the best guidance. It's so good. And Paul, knowing his life was almost over, was saying to Timothy, Timothy, listen to me. God is your officer. He is commander over all. Please obey him. Then he went to the athlete. And in the athlete, he uses this phrase of scripture. He says, similarly, Timothy, 
Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So I went and sat down. I studied a little bit about why Paul writes so much about athletes. He wrote a lot about athletes. He wrote about running, finishing the race. Why did he do that so often? So I began to study it. The Olympics started in 776 B.C. So the Olympics had been happening hundreds of years before Paul was even born. Olympics started as a worship of the god Zeus. They considered him the most glorious god, so they started the Olympics to worship him. And during Paul's lifetime, the Olympics were going on. And Corinth was a training ground, one of the final stages before you got to go to the Greek, to the Olympics. Before that happened, you would come and prepare in Corinth. Josephus, others who are historians, tell us that they believe Paul would have actually gone to what we would call in our day the time trials. He would have gone to watch these incredible athletes do what they do. I can see Paul sitting in in the stands watching these athletes prepare and writing notes about what he's seeing. And that's what we have right here. We have Paul probably recalling being at a time trial and watching these runners and go, how do they get this good? Oh, I bet they are working by competing according to the rules. We're right now, we just finished March Madness We're with the NBA. I mean, a lot of you not follow, I follow the NBA. I'm going home tonight to watch a game, go Phoenix, and I, I'm going to enjoy this game. But when you watch a game of basketball, March Madness that just finished, uh, they play by the rules. You don't see a, a ball player. I won't watch a game tonight where one of the players says, you know what? I think I'm just going to run and not bounce the ball. I'm just going to run with the ball. No, that's called football. You won't do that in a basketball game or there'll be a technical or you'll be thrown out of the game. If, the, if, if one of the uh, players decides, I need a quick drink, they don't just run up in the stands and grab a drink, run back on the court during the game. They'll get called out for that because it's, it's not allowed. It's not one of the rules. I don't know if y'all have noticed this in our society right now, but people don't want any rules. Well, I want to do what I want to do because it's what I think. And I think this is right, so therefore it is right. No. No, God has rules for this thing called the Christian wall. And you will either play by the rules or you won't get the victor's crown. I'm, I'm not coming up with this. It's right here. And Paul said, reflect on this. Think about it for your life right now. Is there any part of your life where you're playing outside the boundaries? Is there any part of your life where you're going, no, I don't want to follow that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I want you to understand your children are watching if you're doing that. You need to understand there's a bigger thing at play here than just your life. My kids and my grandkids watch my life. And if I say, well, I love Jesus, I'm following after him, but I'm going to kind of do my own thing. They're going to go, well, that's inconsistent. Why would I want to follow Grandpa if he's going to do that? He's telling me one thing, but doing another. And Paul said to Timothy, that's not how the game goes down. That's not how it works. You don't win the Olympics by cheating. 
Well, people tried. And they lost their medals. And I'm saying to you tonight as a parent, play by the rules, look, and then teach your children, here's the rules. And here's the great part. You can say, I didn't make them up. I didn't come up with them because what do kids love to say? I don't like those rules. Well, sometimes I don't either, but it's the deal. It's what we must do if we're going to stay in alignment with what God teaches. See, it's not about me. Now, I, I got to say, my early parenting days, it was about me and my rules and what I wanted. And now I've seen, oh, that's confusing. That's not going to help my children. I need to make sure I'm teaching them. Here, here's the guidelines. This is steady here, kids. Count on this. All right, in fact, my daughter recently came over the house. She was struggling with something. And I, you know what I said? My first phrase to her, she's 28. Dad, I'm struggling with this, this, this. And I looked right at her and said, how long has it been since you just took some time just to read in God's word? That's what I said. And she goes, I haven't been doing that as steady, Dad. I said, that might be a good start, babe. That might be a good start to getting you back to where you're steady. Get back in his word, steady. It gives life. And the first time, I got to say this for me. Um, the first time I read God's word, I, 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 I'm just real honest with you, it's kind of boring. You know, as a teenager, try to read God's word, I'd get through two sentences and I'd go, well, I don't know what six of these words mean. <laughs> Takes time. When you start reading God's word, if you're an infant, it's like a baby chewing a Gerber bite. It, it's hard to get. But the more you read this thing, the more you spend time in God's word, the sweeter it gets. And I, I realize I'm standing up here as an old man, but I got to tell you, when I hold this book and I start reading it, it just comforts my soul. It just gives me something that none of y'all can give me. It's just like, I'm, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be okay. I can remember my grandfather that was a, I called him my living Bible. He was just a godly man. And I would recall, I, I, I think back to when I was 10, 15, you pick it, walk in the house, he would be up, he'd have his old Schofield Bible. He loved his Schofield Bible. And he'd be reading it. I'd go over and say, Papa, how far? Because he knew what that meant. He had each page written down how many times he had read that page. It was written on the page. Be like, well, son, I've been through the Bible now completely, just reading it word by word about 22 times. And I remember as a kid going, shoot, I ain't going to be able to get through it one time. <laughs> I get it now. My grandpa was getting through his day by reading that word. It was steady. It was solid. Can I just say something to you? Let your kids catch you reading God's word. Let them see you reading God's word. Let them go, what, what gives you strength, mom? Oh, well, there's this book I read called the Bible. Steady. Solid. Well, mom, mom, don't you read a lot of posts? Well, I read some posts. They don't seem to make me steady. It's very seldom I go on Facebook and when I get done going, now I feel full. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. God's word is alive. And now I've learned that actually when I don't read it, I'm missing something. Yeah. It's changed. That whole thing flipped. It flipped from I don't get it to now I couldn't go without it. Yeah. And that takes time. I'm 62. 
I'm Paul's age plus. And I get what he means. I didn't get it at 30. Your kids won't get it at 15. It might not even get it at 30. Stay the course. Run the race. Live by the rules. There is a victor's crown coming for those of us who are faithful. And at my funeral, I want my children to say, Papa, finish strong. That's what will matter. They won't care about this or that or the other. Well, they'll split up a few things. But what will matter is my testimony. And that's what Paul was saying here. Reflect on this, Dan. Because it's deeper than you can see with a quick little picture. And then third, Paul referred to the farmer. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, I want to just, I, I picked this particular picture because let's go back in Paul's day. Farming would have been with some hand tools. Wasn't mechanized, modernized, no lights on it. Now you can plow all night. But back in this day, these were some of the hardest working people there were. And still in our day, I got to say something here just for a moment. I grew up with a grandfather who was a farmer, that one I spoke of. Hardest working man I ever personally watched, plowed behind a donkey, a mule. All I can remember as a kid going and getting on the bus to go to school and my grandpa would be plowing the field. And when they dropped me off at 3.30, he was still plowing that field. And I remember my mom saying, hardest working man you'll ever know right there, Danny. Hard in, in, in our society. Can I just tell you a pet peeve of mine? This is opinion. This is not biblical. This is Dan Seaborn's pet peeve. It drives me crazy that we care so much about what a Hollywood actor would say. These are the workers I want to listen to. The hardworking farmer. These people provide my food. These people are the reason I had a nice steak today. Actors don't do a lot for me, just personal opinion. But I'm telling you that I think we've lost the respect for the ones who work hard in our society. And so today I'm grateful for any of you in here who are farmers. Bless you. Bless you for the work coming into this spring. You'll be providing our food again. Thank you. And Paul picked the farmer. Isn't that interesting? Look at the three different categories he picked. They're totally different. He thought that through. Think of the farmer a minute. Worked so hard. So little gratitude. So little thankfulness. It basically, even in 2023, ignored. Kind of put down, oh, yeah, well, it's, a, it's a lower job. Interesting, might be one of the greatest jobs anybody has on this earth. Without them, we'd all be hurting right now. I think Paul intentionally put that up there to say to us, think on that. Be grateful for those who help provide for you. And I say to you today, sometimes parenting is like farming. Not a lot of gratitude. There's plenty of you. If you've got a seven or eight year old, probably didn't wake up this morning going, Mom and Dad, you guys are just so great. 
If you've got a teenager that's 15 and didn't really want to come to church this morning, you kind of pushed them to, they probably weren't in the back scene going, praise hallelujah, let's get to church. They weren't doing that. Kind of like, why you guys got to do this church thing and Seaborn's preaching? Who even wants to hear him? I mean, I can see it. This is kids. And you're like a farmer. You got to keep your head down. You got to plow through. Parenting is head down, plow through. Because some days I don't want to go out there and get my hands and feet dirty again. I don't want to go plow the field this morning. But the hardworking farmer keeps doing it because they, re- they know that's how you get the end result. And the Bible says, in fact, the next whole passage, listen to what he says. It's about reaping and sowing. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul says to Timothy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endured with him, we'll reign with him. If we disown him, he disowns us. If we are faithful, if we are faithless, he still is faithful. He cannot disown himself. Our problem is, it's kind of like I made the point about the Amazon Prime this morning. Our problem is we, we want to reap what we sow, but we want it really fast. Well, Lord, I'm going to read my devotions. I, now, I know, I know I've neglected them for a few weeks, but I'm going to spend some time this morning and I need instant response. It, it's almost a God, you owe me attitude. And as I've said many times to you before, God owes you nothing. You're blessed to have the breath you have tonight. I've used that analogy right here on this stage on Sunday night. I remember telling you that breath was from him. And when we gain perspective, when we get that in order, we are so much more effective leading our families. And when I, I'm speaking specifically of me, when I get these things out of order a little bit, when, when the damnness in me creeps in and I'm kind of selfish and having one of those days where I kind of want my way, it kind of discombobulates everything and sends it into a tizzy. And it's when I realign. It's when I sit and ponder as Paul asks us to. It's when I take time to contemplate, what's my life really about? I get things right. And here tonight, if your life's in a little disarray, if your house is not in order, take a moment. Think of the soldier. Who are you answering to in the long run? Somebody in here is in a bad marriage and it's tough on you and you're worn out. And it just feels like, Right now, it'd be so much better to say, I'm done with this. I'm going to go chase. I'm going to go. I'm going to give myself some pleasure here. In the long run, I promise you, according to God's word, it won't win. Don't do that to yourself. Stay the course in seeking what God is wanting to do and growing you deeper in him. I'm telling you, sitting here at my age, I realize how much of my life is not about me. This morning as I drove over here, I felt very clear to make a very strong and powerful message straight from the Word of God. And tonight, the same. I am not here because I need to preach again. 
I'm not here because I need a gig. I'm here because I'm called to preach the God of the God's truth faithfully so that you can stand in a solid spot in the days that are coming in our culture. That's what I feel called to do right now. Solid messages, no frim fram, no little fluff fluff. Teach the word of God straight up. Let people, I'm not responsible for what you do with it. I'm responsible to preach it. It's yours to either take it on or disown. It's your call. You can drive to your car and say, I didn't like that. That's fine. I will sleep well because I sought to bring a solid biblical message straight from God's word, straight from what it teaches. And I am the more I live, the older I get. Y'all going to see me preaching more and more this way because it's not me speaking. It's his words right on the screen you're reading. And you can take that and apply that to your life tonight. And it's going to make a solid difference in you. If you go practice this for a little while, you're going to find yourself going, why do I feel so much more solid? That's what's happened with me. You guys are witnessing like I don't need your applause or praise. I appreciate it. But I'm here tonight to please and honor my commanding officer. If I can finish my night and go, Jesus, I sought to please you today. I'm good. And I want you to understand that has come for me with time. And I want you to get deeper because your kids and grandkids are going to need to see that. I don't know if y'all noticed, culture is chaotic. It's crazy. I hear things and I go, that's upside down. (laughs) Things that they say is truth, I go, that's not even close to truth. I better teach my kids the solid truth. Not my opinion. What this book says. It's interesting. I spent the week in Florida with Jane and I read Jesus words about how people would hate you if you loved him. I read a lot this week, Jesus, the red words in the Bible. I read a lot of them about what he said would happen toward the end of time. I don't know if that's today. I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's 100 years from now. It doesn't matter to me. I, I live like it's going to be seven It's 6.02. I live like it's going to be 6.03. I'm ready. If he comes today, good to go. And I want to be steady and solid because Jesus says they will hate you for my name. In other words, you're going to be loving and kind and caring about people and they're going to call you a hater. Because that's what they did to him. And Paul was telling Timothy that. Timothy, um, heads up, bro. They're about to kill me. And you're still 30, so I need you to carry this on because I'm going to be gone. And heads up, they're probably coming after you too. So today, no fear. I have no fear. Not worried about it at all. But I want to be prepared to stand solid in a culture that is not. And what I'm talking to you about tonight is straight from God's word. And it will help prepare you to raise your children to be strong and solid in their faith. Because they'll see your example. And if time lasts and you spend your normal life and then 500 years from now, your great, great, great grandkids will be thankful that you were steady when it was your turn. So do your turn well. My grandpa did his turn well and that shaped me for this. So I'm doing my turn well so my little grandkids will grow up and say, I want to be like Papa. He was steady. That's all I got to say. Let me pray for you.
Lord, tonight I just bring before you uh, this group of people. I talk real honest and straight up with them. Sunday night crowd, they can handle it. And I pray tonight that you would help us to be prepared to grow deeper in you, whatever that looks like. Help us be faithful. Help us be steady in our walk with you. Thank you for these simple, simple truths that Paul taught to Timothy, but they're so profound. Help us apply them in our lives and let us as people continue to know you as our Lord and Savior. Protect over these families and all those represented here. What a cool crowd. And I pray you'd bless them and thank you for their willingness to come out tonight to listen to your word. Anoint them and bless them as they go home. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.